Salutations, friends. And welcome to another episode of uh, Nerddom. 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 And knowledge. 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 First pick for podcast. Last picked in Dodgeball. I am James. Mayamo S. Jerry. And we're here to do one of your all-time favorite episode series that we do. Well, we called it D&D story time when it started, but it has evolved. It has evolved. It, is, it has become its own new entity. Called RPG story time. Just any kind of stories from role-playing games. Yep. So uh, we're going to entertain you with a few stories from our uh, current campaign that we're doing right now with our playgroup, uh, which is set in the world of Aberrant, which is a um, superhero kind of futuristic uh, role-playing environment. Uh, if you haven't checked it out before, I would highly recommend it. Cannot recommend it enough. It's a fantastic playing system. It is based in the White Wolf D10 system, so be yeah. sure to check it out. Absolutely. Fun stuff, fun stuff. But first... Yeah, we definitely have to say a special thank you to our show sponsor, Southern Defense Martial Arts. They will not make you superhuman, but I promise you, you will have a good story after you attend or, or learn some karate, okay? <clears throat> so they teach Shelburne Ryu Karate for discipline and self-defense. If you are looking to get in shape for the new year, um, you know, I don't think you have to worry about cannibals chasing after you anymore. We pretty much ruled them out last week. Yeah. Uh, you know, but if you want to become a superhuman in your own right, check them out. You can find them online at Southern Defense Martial Arts. You can also find them on Facebook at Southern Defense Martial Arts, where you can purchase a, a DVD to learn karate for defense only in the comfort of your own home. And soon to be offering online classes. Yeah. And if you are just now tuning in or you've tried to fast forward through the commercials, ha ha. Ha ha. Yeah. Now Jet, we're going to show you we cut the commercials out. Uh-huh. Bruh. <laughs> but seriously, though, if you want to find out about our sponsors, our affiliates, if you want to get discounts on Sweet Swag, if you want to pick up some NAK Sweet Swag, yeah. if you want to find out about anything. If you want to donate to the Patreon. If you want to find anything and everything involving Nerd and Knowledge, you can find it on our website, which is nerddomandknowledge.com. That's www.nerdomandknowledge.com. I promise you the next time he does this, I will have the machine gun sound effect, and I will pop it off. Man, the 18 theme was so fucking good. It is great. Like, it's Knight Rider, and then Magnum P.I., and then the 18th thing. Uh, wait a minute, you got to put Airwolf in there. Nah, Airwolf's number four. Number four. It was good, but it's not better than Magnum P.I. No, Damn, it's not. Better than the 18 or Knight Rider. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, there's not really a fancy title for any of these things, so we're going to take a real quick break, and then we're going to come right back and dive right into it. Yeah! Hey, folks, it's James. And Jerry. From the Nerd Demon Knowledge Podcast, and we're here to talk to you about IT Services and Networking, LLC. If you need a fresh install or just some upgrades to your existing network, owner-operator Will Clark has got you covered. That's right. You can find them on the web at www.itservicesandnetworking.com or you can reach them by phone at area code 910-461-7145. You won't find a better company to handle your IT needs. No, you won't. Yeah. And we're back. Oh, wait a minute. This is everyone's second Favorite oh, we're doing two in a row. Oh shit! Here show, we go. The nerd nest. But da da da. Oh shit! This is unprecedented. So, see, we like to throw that little curveball at you every so often. Yeah, I mean, last week we talked about cannibalism. That was a pretty big curve, but here's another one. Here's another one. So this week, ladies and gentlemen, we are adding a second item to the nerd nest. This week, we are adding a 15 set of role-playing dice, but not just any set. 
we're offering you a set that has a different kind of a D4. No longer do they make the, well, they no, they still make the D4s that are like caltrops that you step on them and you, you know, have to yeah. go to the ER. Damn near worse than Legos. These are the rounded ones that are actually a little bit easier to step on. They're still yeah. not fun to step on, but they're not as bad. And if you're rolling your dice on your floor, what the fuck are you doing, really? Yeah, really. Honestly. Yeah. Put them on a table or get a dice tray, something, man. Something. Come on. Yeah. But, yeah. Step I, your game up is all we're saying. But, yeah, a 15 set of dice is going into the nerd nest. That's Com- like twice the amount of dice you need. Yeah. Really, when you think about it. Mm-hmm. Because normally they come in a set of seven. Exactly. Now you got a set for you, set for a friend, and then one left over. Exactly. There you go. There you go. You're welcome. You're you're very welcome. <laughs> but, ladies and gentlemen, if you noticed last week, you know what we didn't add? We didn't add a nerdness keyword. Do you know why? Because we forgot. <laughs> because That's we pretty forgot. much it. <laughs> <laughs> but we are going to give you a nerdness keyword at the end of this episode. This will be for both episodes. Yeah, this is going to be for both of them. So there you go. Yeah. yeah. We were so excited to de- – I, I shouldn't say that. We were very excited to speak with our special guest about cannibalism. I don't want to say we were very excited to discuss cannibalism because that makes us sound, you know, like murderers. And we're not murderers. Cannibalism is bad. Okay. If we need to say it again, we will. Don't fucking Fucking eat people. There you go. Yeah. But uh, stay tuned for the end of the episode where we'll give you the hint for the keyword. Indeed. We have to go find it and search it out. and And then we'll tell you if you got it right or not. So... Having said all that, James is going to kick us off this week with RPG Storytime. He is going to give you a little background about how he came up with the eons-spanning uh, campaign that we find ourselves and our intrepid group of players in at the moment. Now, all of our stories, both mine and Jerry's, are going to come from this campaign because I've been running this campaign for since November of last year. Yeah, it's been go- it, uh, it has been going on for a while, yeah. Yeah, so this is uh, a marathon campaign. Yeah. Um, I'm not planning on running another campaign for quite some time after I've finished this one, but I came up with this idea because <clears throat> I had about a week where I was not very busy. Work was pretty much taking care of itself. Wasn't a lot to do. And, yeah, I would get home, and other than the couple of nights I go spend with my friends, including Jerry himself, uh, I was finding myself with not a lot to do. Like, I kind of caught up on every, a bunch of stuff, and I actually had some time to sit down, reflect, and catch up on some shows and rewatch some old shows. So, in the span of this week, I watched a few episodes of Quantum Leap. Great show. Love it. If you haven't seen it, go f- take the time to find it. It's a not great the, show. Not the new one. The, the old, old one. Yes. With Scott Bakula. Yes. Uh, I also was watch, started to binge watch Lucifer again. Yeah, fantastic show. Um,. I had also uh, started watching a few other shows that I was trying to catch up on. I'm not going to take the time to list them all, but they all involve different periods of time. Mm -hmm. And there were some elements of them all that they had in common. They seemed to, even though they didn't tie into each other, it almost felt like they did, which kind of set my mind to thinking, hmm. So I started coming up with this idea about what if which I'd actually tried to do another campaign like this before in Vampire, where I would let a group of vampires play through history, mm-hmm. starting at, in about the time of the Dark... Right, right at the beginning of the Dark Ages, in the 1200s, and let them play up through the Dark Ages, uh, through the Renaissance, all of it, and just go all the way up to modern-day times. So I figured I would do it again, but I wouldn't make it that grandiose. 
So uh, I'm a big fan of noir-style movies. And, you know, watching the movies about the Roaring Twenties, Prohibition, you know, the uh, Mafia's influence on, you know, bootlegging and what have you. Mm-hmm. So that would kind of get, that's what kind of gave me the idea for the campaign. So I started, I decided to write this campaign up to start the group in 1920. You know, the year Prohibition went into effect. See, you learned something new today. There's another wrinkle in your brain. Yeah, there you go. You're welcome, America. There you go. But, um... I had it in my head that, you know, a few people had also been complaining about the fact that I always try to force everyone to be heroes in campaigns. They're, not everybody, but a few people were like, you know, I want the freedom. Kenny. 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 I, I didn't want to call anyone out, Jerry. <laughs> I'm going to. Kenny. But I decided I was going to finally make a campaign where you could do whatever you wanted. But. I had it also set in my head where I was going to change certain things in history if you made a change to history. And I would just pick a random thing that I would change. Like, I would just go, okay, uh, you opened up this club that wasn't actually there, so, you know, uh, Ronald Reagan never becomes president. It's somebody else. Or something like that. I didn't do that, but, you know, I would make a random change. Mm-hmm. And... I said, you know, you could be bad guys, you could be good guys. And I told everybody this. And I said, you can make whatever choices you want. I'm not going to force you to do anything. Now, that being said, there is an ultimate goal to this campaign. There is an ultimate goal that everyone has. But I've made it to where it's not so much that they're forced to do it, but it is to their benefit to solve the quest. Yeah, absolutely. The big overlying quest. It's self-serving. There is, uh, as they like to say in the business, they're skinning the game. Yeah. There you go. So, but, uh, you know, if, and don't get me wrong, oddly enough, there haven't been a lot of, like, murder hoboing going on. There's been a bit of it. There's been a bit of it. Kenny. <laughs> but, but the fact is. No, I'm not even going to lie. I, I have, in this campaign, for the first time, I have killed more things than Kenny has. I will be completely <laughs> honest with you. So, uh, Kenny, I owe you an apology. I'm the murder hoboe this time. But um, I just wanted to come up with a campaign that would be fun for everybody and would actually pique their interest. And there would be different points in history. And I. But when I wrote the campaign up, I picked different eras, different years that I wanted everybody to stop in. And I also put in a bunch of time jumps, but I've allowed people to interrupt the time jump and go, okay, this year I want you to stop. I want to do something here. Yeah. So, like, it's been a thing where we're like, okay, tonight we're going to fast forward to, like, 1988. Does anybody want to do anything before we make the jump to 88? And then, you know, we'll go in and, like, say little things that we want to get done, then we make the jump to 88. So, yeah. But uh, I've always allowed the freedom in the campaign for everyone to do it, which is another thing that's made the campaign last so long. But now that the campaign is winding down, I felt like this would be a good time to do an episode about some stories from the campaign. So I just wanted to, you know, give everybody a little insight and also a little peek into how my brain works for designing a campaign. So if you're looking to, you know, make your own story up, you just pull from stuff you know, stuff you're enjoying, stuff you're currently watching, and you know, make a few adjustments here and there. Do what you got. And do. you know, if you something, if you if something kind of clicks for you, run with it. Yeah, something works. Don't be afraid to steer into the skid. That's all yep. I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So that's the idea behind the stories you're going to hear tonight. That's the world that they're set in. So just that you're aware. Um, so now, 
allow me to regale you with my first tale. So in this uh, campaign, I have a character <clears throat> who is named uh, Salvatore Marconi. Uh, he is a Italian-American uh, first generation, came over. You know, the family is making a name for themselves. And um, it basically, uh, he is, uh, for lack of a better term, he's a mob enforcer, okay? Um, it's one of those things where he's, um, you know, working for the family, doing what he has to do to get by, not really thinking much about it. He's not a bad person, per se. Um, he, it's just, that's what he does. It's what he was brought up to do. He's taught to be part of the family. So he's part of the family. He does what the family asks him to, which is crackheads. Now, in the game of Aberrant, you can pick all kinds of powers. Okay, any kind of powers you want. Uh, for this particular character, like, I could have gone flashy. I decided to go very subtle. When he started out, uh, he was uh, super strong and super tough. That was it. Like, he's a typical mob guy. Like, you can punch him, you're not going to hurt him, and he can crack skulls with his fists. Okay? That's the thing. Throughout the course of James's game, uh, we have come. Okay, so at that point, you know we're um, you know we're in 1920s. We're building up. We move into the 1930s, uh, and then eventually uh, we get into uh, the 1940s, which everyone knows is the, the time of World War II. Is what we're looking at. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, so we end up in uh, Europe. And we are. Uh, I have a. I had a grandmother in the story, uh, Georgina. She passed away. We go to Europe for her funeral. We're visiting with family. Uh, we decide to kind of, um, you know, make a little name for ourselves. We run into some of uh, Mussolini's men. Uh, they decide that they're going to um, run their mouth a little bit. I don't take very kindly to it, so we end up getting into a little bit of a scuffle. Um, shit goes sideways, I guess is the easiest way to say it. Okay? <laughs> so people threw some punches. Things got ugly. Are we not, are we going to point fingers? Ah, we don't need to point fingers. Nobody needs to care about who did it. You know? <laughs> who started it? I don't know. Who um, are we to argue about who killed who? Yeah. Who are we? Honestly? It doesn't really matter. So, um, we had um, a situation where... We had to go to uh, France uh, to handle some business. And before we left, we had went into town. We had ran into a band of Mussolini's uh, people who were there uh, kind of taking stuff from the local villages and, um, you know, basically they're, they're looting people is what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, so they're looting folks. They're taking their money. We had we took some objection to that, so we may have cracked a couple of skulls and given the money back to the people. Uh, then we had to leave to go to France. Uh, we were taking care of something over there, having some business that we had to do. Uh, then we get a report that they have destroyed uh, my family's uh, hometown villa, like leveled it. Mm-hmm. So we go back, and sure enough, they destroyed the whole thing. They destroyed the whole town. They murdered everyone in it. So... At that point, um, the Chris Benoit music started playing in the back of my character's head. Uh, and he went ape shit and decided to uh, go basically murder every Italian soldier who was on the side of Mussolini that was in the area. And I, all of them, like thousands of them. <coughs> um, at this point, um, 
I had uh, given myself some more powers, but I'm going to talk about those in the next story because that makes more sense there. Uh, But, like, I'm basically invulnerable to bullets. Uh, Fire and energy and stuff like that can hurt me, but, like, regular projectile swords, punches, nothing. Uh, You know, super strong, and I'm fast, so it's kind of hard to hit me. Some waylaying soldiers, tank shots don't hurt me. It's just, it's bad for them all around involved. Um, and so at one point, I, I actually uh, run into Benito Mussolini, okay, uh, in this. Uh, we had been captured and were being held prisoner. Uh, we couldn't use our powers. He came in and decided he was going to run his mouth and make a statement about whatever. And I basically looked him dead in his eye, and I told him uh, that I was going to break his fucking neck in front of all of his followers. And he laughed at me and told me I was a liar. Okay. <clears throat> well, in typical, you know, superhero fashion, uh, we were saved from that particular uh, incident by an NPC. We got out. Uh, and then it became, oh, well, let's see how many of these fuckers we can kill on the way out. So we started doing that. What just so happens that I got um, knowledge of where Mussolini was giving an address. So I ran over there and jumped up and grabbed him around the throat in front of his all of his uh, people and it delivered a movie caliber superhero catchphrase where I pulled him real close to me and I said, tell me something. Am I lying now? And then I broke his neck in front of all of his followers. <laughs> um, so now, needless to say that, you know, uh, we spent a lot of time in Europe like assisting the allies in the war. Um, like, it the war never happened. Let me put it to you that way. When James talks about us like changing history, uh, we murdered Hitler. Um, we we murdered the Russians. Uh, Benito Mussolini before he came to power. Kaiser Wilhelm. You name them. If they were in power, they they died. The, the war never happened. Like the Allies were like, we're going overboard. There's D Day and then nothing. Like. Well, D-Day pretty much led to the end of the war. That yeah, was ultimately the end. We were over there, and we, we, we stopped everything. So uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki never happened. Right. There never a nuclear, nuclear bomb. They didn't need it. They had us, yeah. basically. <laughs> Effectively. Uh, so it, 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 it got to the point where we were like, okay, we've, we've made a, a bigger splash than we had intended to. Okay? Um, we now have a motto. In the group, it's two word motto. It's low profile. Okay, that's that's what we're shooting for. Because we were not low profile. Let me let me explain something to you. Okay, we were not wearing disguises. There were no masks or capes. There was none of this. We were just flying around murdering people. There were on multiple occasions. I came back to our villa in France, covered from head to toe in the body parts of other people. Okay, it happened a lot. <laughs> To the point where people were like, where's Sal? Oh, he's washing off. He's got people on him. Like, that's what they would say. (laughs) So, uh, at that point, I I made some arrangements to have the memory of everyone we had interacted with up until that point where they would forget it was us. The war ended because we were trying to avoid making massive changes to the timeline. So, the war ended the way that they thought it was supposed to. Um, They forgot about us. Uh, we just didn't exist anymore. Now, I mean, they didn't forget we existed. They forgot we were involved. Like, any time all the footage, the images, everything of us was erased from history. So it was never an issue. We were never there. Okay, so that was how that particular nugget ended. <laughs> so, yeah. 
So am I a murder hobo in this one? Yeah, you know what? I'll own that. I'm the murder hobo. Okay, fine. You happy, Kenny? I'm the murder hobo this time. Uh, I had agreed to only tell one story, but there is something else I do want to address in this campaign. Uh, and, it, and it tells a story for any of you out there who are in a group. Communication is key. It really is. Um, there have been numerous times in this campaign where something has happened and somebody, like one person got a piece of information that another character needed. Well, that piece of information did not get relayed in a timely fashion. And I provided the means for everybody to communicate with everybody for the whole campaign. For the whole campaign. Like, even starting back as early as 1920. They had ways to get in touch with each other. However, they haven't always taken advantage of these. And this has caused some serious shit to happen. Um, let me think of a really good example. Oh, yes. Kenny. Uh, there was one time that I'd given, I forget who it was. It was either you or Brittany. I had told uh, something about this building had one of your relatives in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was Brittany. You told her that. I told Brittany. And Brittany never relayed that information to Kenny, I believe. It's about and right. I, yeah. I, I could be wrong. It may not even have been Brittany, but I know one member of the group got the information other than Kenny. Well, that information never got to Kenny. Mm-hmm. So Kenny winds up killing one of Jerry's family members. Yeah. Now, ultimately, it's never revealed <coughs> that Kenny is the cause of what happened. Nope. And Jerry is a good player and does not play without a game knowledge. And even Jerry was, you know very clueless as to what all happened. To which even Kenny covered his own tracks very well, which I was, I got to applaud him. He was, he was impressive with how Mm -hmm. he covered his tracks. His mental gymnastics were astounding. Yes. (laughs) Because what he decided to do was he has the ability to transmute matter. Yep. Change it from one to, change it from one thing to another. Yeah. Now, the the degree of which you can change things is based on the number of successes. Like, uh, you know, like if it, you're changing, trying to change metal into wood, okay? Well, if you get one success, you turn it from one type of metal into another type of metal. You know, you're talking about three or four successes, and you can change it into wood. Yeah. Five or six, you can pick what type of wood you want to turn it into, that kind of thing. Yeah. Now, the level of your power also determines how much you can affect. Right. And also determines how many dice you get to roll to determine the number of successes. Right. So, uh, Kenny was able to turn about a, I think I said about a 20 foot by 20 foot by 20 foot area of the corner of the building into paper. Yeah. Now, understanding, yeah, they were built really well, but if you turn a corner of a building into paper, just you know, uh, it's paper. That stuff you write on and fold into little airplanes. Yeah. So, the weight, start, the weight shift started a chain of events that caused the whole building to collapse. Yeah. There were no survivors. None. Now, what Kenny did to cover this up was he very quickly got a pallet of paper delivered to that building. And basically, it was to the point of bookkeeping being what it was back in the 1920s. You're given to human error. Uh Here are. So it's basically, there was a lot of paper in one corner of the building that was unexplainable. No one no one knew what was going on. Yep. And basically there was a pallet of paper outside of the building. So it's like, um, 
did did we get some paper we were not we didn't realize we were supposed to be getting and it's like i, I mean it's possible i mean th- we do use this yeah paper so, is something that we use a lot of yeah. so you know but uh Ugh. Communication is key, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Because Jerry was not happy about a family member getting mar- murdered, and it actually started a family war. Mm. That shouldn't have happened. Yeah, we. Um, so uh, we're we're in New York in the 1920s. So there are a lot of mob families. Uh, when I created my character, I gave a name to one of the mob families, the Marconi crime family, because I was a Marconi. Um, of course, there are the Falconis, which are already in. Uh, DC Universe. Uh, the Maroney family. The Maroney family. Uh, they're already in there as well. So you got to come up with other names for other crime families. Now, folks, don't hate, okay? Yeah. Don't hate. This was... you got to name NPCs. If you're a DM, if you're a game master of any type, you know you got to name NPCs, and sometimes and, you just get yes, unoriginal and, and you don't give a fuck. And a player's favorite pastime is forcing a DM to come up with a name for a non-essential character. Yeah. Just because they want to get latched onto them and visit them somewhere down the road. So James is a very good thing of having us write them down or he writes them down themselves. Um, I used to do a thing where before I would even start a game, I would just make a list of every fucking NPC in town. (laughs) That way if they ask for a name, I'm like, that's Bob. He's the blacksmith. All right, let's fucking go, man. I got your ass. You're not getting me on anything. Okay, well, what's his apprentice's name? Fuck, I didn't think of the apprentice. (laughs) So there are crime families that we deal with. Uh, um, Like our major... um, uh, I, I, a point of opposition is the Falcone crime family. Uh, one step down from them is the Linguini crime family. Yes, Linguini. Okay. Uh, then we have the Fettuccini crime family. Uh, and the Beefaroni. The fucking Beefaronis. The Beefaroni crime family. We also have the Ravioli crime it, It's It's Italian food. It's funny. Okay. Enjoy it. Uh, we even had the Rigatonis for a time being, but they're not around anymore. Um, you know, so it's just little, little little things like that to give everybody a chuckle and a laugh and a giggle. So that's what we were using. Yeah. So um, that's uh, that. That's yeah. That's the thing. <coughs> yeah. But communication is key. Folks. Communication that's what we're trying key. to say. All right. So Jerry, yeah. your second story, sir. So my my second story is a little tale that I'm going to refer to as the story of Bob the Superman. <laughs> So, um, after we went through the whole rigmarole of erasing the brains of everybody on Earth to the fact that we had nothing to do with it, we all retired back to our little chateau in France, okay? We were laying low, we were living the life, being quiet, trying just to get by, okay? Um, Like I told you, when I made the character of Sal, I made him very basic, super strong, super tough, Okay? Uh, but then the seed of an idea started forming in my head. And I was like, you know what? I want to do this subtle as fuck. And then hopefully nobody catches on until it's too late. Okay. So uh, as you uh, level up in these games, you get experience points. Experience points allow you to purchase additional abilities, uh, level the abilities you already have, increase your stats, uh, or just to pick up new powers you didn't have before. Okay. So the first thing I did was I picked up, um, I got my mega strength and mega stamina pretty much all the way up to five, which means when I punch you, I'm getting 24 automatic successes. Basically, um, you turn into pink mist when he punches yeah, you. I'm going to knee in your ass when I thump you. Like That's how, how hard I, I hit. 
I got my stamina all the way up, and I also took an ability called Invulnerability, which means I get 15 automatic dice to soak against um, any kind of uh, physical attacks. I'm just, I'm invulnerable to physical attacks, basically, is what it boils down to. <coughs> Excuse me. So, um, then I picked up Flight, um, the ability to fly. Then after that, I picked up Super Speed. After that, I picked up the ability to shoot lasers from my eyes. A picture of a certain person may be forming in your head at this point in time. You may be thinking of Kal-El, the man from Krypton, the man of Steel and Superman. And yeah, that's who I was modeling the character after. Well, needless to say that all of the other players picked up on it fairly quickly after I started flying and moving really fast. They're like, fuck, you're making Superman, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah. And you got to remember, this is a time period before Superman is a thing. He doesn't exist. So during the time that we're we're laying low in France, we end up running into somebody uh, by the name of Kara Zor-El, who is, of course, Supergirl. Her cousin, Kal-El, is eventually supposed to become Superman. He's going to wear the symbol of hope. He's going to be, you know, like the, the Man of Steel. He's going to be the icon to which everybody aspires to be. Or rather, he was supposed to. <laughs> that was the plan, but like I said in the like I told you about the description of the campaign, everyone is free to do what they want, but they will change history. Yeah, so please go continue, Jerry. So, in the interest of doing my best to keep a low profile, we have some people who dealt with um, technology of the time. I had them to make me a suit, jet black, with a like a, a tinted visor to block my face. So nobody could see who I was. Think Batman, but without the pointy ears and all the bat, you know, accoutrement. Just that's kind of what I was going for, okay? Had a cape to, you know, just, just oh, for fancy. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold okay. on. Don't forget, you put an S on your chest for Sal. I did. I did put a, I did put a big black. Now, it was not shaped like the, the pentagonal Superman S. It was just a regular S on my chest for Sal because I thought that was funny. And obviously because I'm trying to make Superman, right? <clears throat> so we end up uh, getting involved in uh, some stuff going down in a foreign country. Um, some shit going on in Russia. Russia is making plans with the Cubans to do some bad Cuban shit. So I go over there to Russia, um, intervene, snatch up their premiere at the time. He's, um, you know, trying to do some stuff where he's making plans to bomb the United States. We capture him, and I fly him back to America and basically land right in front of the White House at the exact same time that the president is getting ready to give an address about talking about what is potentially going to happen with Russia. So I, I set him down on the ground. I've got my other hand in the air. You know, I am not a threat. Um, you know, I release him to the soldiers. Once they realize who he is, you know, they take him in immediately. Then the press is taking pictures of me, but they don't know who I am. I'm wearing the mask. I'm not worried about it. The president comes up to talk to him. So then they're like, well, the president wants to meet you because you just saved America. And I'm like, you know, whatever. So he walks over and he's like, you know, thank you, young man, for what you've done for us. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you. You, you know, you're truly amazing. What is your name? And 
you know, Sal being Sal, Sal's not going to say, well, I'm Salvatore, Mar- Salvatore Marconi, because again, our, our motto is low, low profile. profile. So I just said, and somebody else had just made the joke that they're going to start calling you Superman because of what you just did. Like, I was like, no, 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 I won't tell me anything. So when they asked me what my name was, I just said Bob. My name is Bob. And the president looks at me and goes, Bob, seriously? I was like, yeah, my name's Bob. He goes, okay. Then immediately one of the reporters right behind him goes, you heard it here first, folks. Bob the Superman just saved the United States of America from... And I was just like, motherfucker. No, this is how the reporter said it. (laughs) This Superman named Bob has just saved the country and possibly the world. And then by the time it gets to the other media outlets, by the time they get home and turn on their television... It has become Bob Bob the the Superman. Superman. So... This, of course, uh, ends up where, like, now the Cuban Missile Crisis happens. We've got to go to Cuba. We snatch up Castro. I bring him back to America. Same suit. Same thing. Same, you know, meet the president. Shake his hand. I'm getting ready to go away. And everybody's like, hey, it's Bob the Superman. And you're like, fuck. And then... Because I'm not trying to fuck with the timeline. I know eventually, you know, Cal has to become Superman, so... So, guess what he finds in the 50s, ladies and gentlemen? (laughs) Comic books! Yeah, and guess who the most popular comic book in the United States is about? Bob Bob the the Superman. Superman. So now I have my own comic book line, and I can't take credit for any of it, because low profile. (laughs) Uh, Eventually, we reach a point where where Kal-El becomes of age, and so I pass the suit on to him, um, and he makes a... You know, uh, a different version of himself. Obviously, it's not the the blue and red because that's a whole different thing. But he makes a version of himself that's his own, and he takes over the the moniker of you know not being Bob the Superman, just being Superman. Well, in this most recent iteration, after I had spent many years as a porn producer, yes, you heard that right. Um, we end up having getting pulled back into the public eye again because we have to uh, start dealing with some some threats to New York and the whole nine yards. So I go out in my new suit, and, um, you know, because I look the same. We don't age, by the way. I, I forgot to cover that, by the way. We, we did a thing where we were imbued with this uh, special power that keeps us from aging. We're immortal. Like, we can die from, like, you know, super bad injury or being but blowed like, up. They but won't naturally age. Their heart won't give out. They won't catch a disease yeah, necessarily. Yeah, nothing like that kills us. Uh, so uh, we don't age. So oh, through the years, we've taken on different names, different personas. Uh, so I show back up in a in a, a similar suit, not the same suit, but a similar suit. And somebody goes, "Hey, Bob the Superman's back!" And um, I forget who it was. It was a Brit or Will? Uh, I think it was Brit. I think so. <laughs> I can't remember if it was Brit or Will, but somebody goes, "No, that's not Bob. That's his cousin." Yeah. So, so now that, that's that, a running that became gag. a running gag. Every time I somebody go, hey, Bob the Superman, somebody off screen would go, I heard it's his cousin. <laughs> that's not Bob, it's his cousin. <laughs> uh, <sighs> fucking best fucking thing ever. Yeah, so it, it went from being kind of like I'm trying not to be Superman to I'm going to make Superman to I hope I don't get called Superman to <laughs> fuck, now I'm Superman to... I'm going to give this suit to Superman, and then it's, fuck, I'm still Superman, but now I'm not really, I'm his cousin. So, 
There's the story of Bob the Superman. <laughs> so. Go ahead and tell them the name of when you became a porn producer. Tell them the name of your series of movies. Oh, yes. This is great. So um, it was um, Bada Bing Productions is the name of the company that we made. <laughs> and um, and since I am a mobster from the 20s, uh, the series of movies that we made were called How You Doing? <laughs> there, we got there, all the way up to seven, yeah, by the way. Yeah. And I even won the AVN Award for uh, Director of the Year for number six. four? Number six. Yeah, so. Yeah. You need a legitimate front for all this wealth you have garnered, okay? <coughs> and so I thought that, you know, making porn movies was a, a good cover. Okay, so the next story, I'm the story I'm about to regale you with also involves Sal, but it involves Sal and uh, Brittany, a popular guest on the show, her character. Yes. Okay, so at a so certain- now okay. Uh, be- before he tells the story, I-, I I want to preface this by saying something. Okay, we were playing these characters period accurate. Okay, so I, my guy was born in nineteen ten. You know, I'm sorry. No, if I was, I was born right at the turn like of the 1898. century. Nineteen ninety eight, nineteen oh two, somewhere in that ballpark. I'm in my twenties and the twenties. Okay, so very old, long time ago. So. We were playing these characters period accurate. Now, having said that, we were not using racial slurs or derogatory terms, okay? But we were behaving in a manner in which these characters would have behaved if they were from that time. So, continue. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, <coughs> now, all of the characters, except for Will's character, wind up getting married and having kids. Yep. They all get it in their heads to do it. Well, not necessarily they got it in their heads to do it, but some accidents happen because I am a big fan of if you have sex in campaign and you don't tell me you are taking precautions, I roll a percentile roll. If it rolls in a certain range, guess what? Congratulations, it's a girl or boy. Uh-huh. So, <clears throat> eventually they caught on. Now, yep. <laughs> but everybody winds up getting married and having kids, except for Will's character. So, um, Brittany is playing a character who is homosexual, Mm -hmm. which is fine. Nothing wrong with it. So, she falls in love with a nice Jewish girl named Sarah Lipschitz. Who also happens to be a fae. Also happens to be the uh, mortal vessel for a fae by the name of Opal. Yep. Which I have based off of a character off of TikTok. Thank you, Defiant Cupcake. Shout out to you. Anyways. So, um... They get married, and thanks to fey magic, they're able to have children. Now, um... <laughs> God damn it. So, uh, Jerry makes a joke with me outside... No, no. Hold Hang on. on a second. Hold You're on. forgetting a very important part of this. Okay. Okay, because a same-sex couple relationship is not exactly <coughs> a, a normal occurrence in this period of time... Uh, Opal takes advantage of some of her fey trickery to when they're out in public, she's able to take on a more masculine appearance and appear to be Brittany's husband Correct. instead of her wife. Right. Okay. So This is very important to the story. Otherwise, I sound like an asshole. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, you're right. You needed to add that. Thank I, my you. apologies. So uh, Jerry makes a joke with me outside of campaign. And I make a joke kind of outside of the game uh, in front of Brittany. And Brittany just kind of goes, what? And when she makes that what sound, 
Jerry finds it so amusing, it, he decides to incorporate it into the campaign. Yeah. And the joke was that uh, Opal is mommy daddy. Yeah. Uh, her uh, Brittany's children refer to Opal as mommy, mommy daddy because sometimes she appears to be a mommy and sometimes she appears to be a daddy. And, so Uncle they just call Sal, her. and also Uncle Sal has been using that term. Yeah, Uncle Sal said it and so they call her mommy daddy, which, I mean, we can all agree. That's fucking hilarious. Okay. <laughs> now you may call it insensitive if you want. It's not like it's not like, and I say this for reference purposes only. It's not like Dyke. It's not carpet muncher. No. It's just you know, it's not uh, transvestite. It's not anything like that. Yeah. It's not transvestite. It was not it's meant just, in a rude it's way. It's just mommy daddy. You know, you're both mommy and daddy. You're mommy yes, daddy. You're mommy daddy. So. Uh, this becomes a running thing where it pisses Opal off. Now, it pissed Britney's character off for a little while, but then eventually she found it funny. Yeah. Now, uh, that being said, uh, the whole joke, you know, it, it, it makes its way around, and it's still around even in, right now, we're in the 90s. Yes. Now. Oh, uh, and uh, I, we need to go back and make one other uh, side to that story, too. So... When we met Opal in the game, we knew her as Opal. We did not realize she had a uh, human persona. Right. Uh, so when we were introduced to the uh, human persona of Sarah uh, and we found out what her last name was, Jerry, being Jerry, her lip shits and giggled a little bit because shits. It, it's funny. Um, James thought that that was Sal giggling and... So then at that point, we're like, you know what? Fuck it. It was Sal giggling. Sal thought it was funny. So anytime Sarah's name was mentioned in the game, Sal would make a little joke about it. Yep. Uh, he referred to their kids as little shits. You know, like. <laughs> again, I need to stress, I was playing the character as if he was a big, tough guy from the 1920s. Back then, being PC was not really a thing. Okay. <laughs> I am not an asshole in real life. I want to preface everything by saying that. <laughs> this is this is all true stuff. Please continue. <laughs> okay. Uh, now, uh, at one point, they happen to travel to the future. Now, they are able to look at their descendants in the future. <clears throat> yep. Now, I'm going to stop right here and tell another little side to preface what's about to happen. There was another aberrant campaign, the first one I ran for this group. Yep. Uh, where they were all based out of Detroit. Yes, and this was back before we actually had the source books. So we were kind of playing it loose and fast with the rules. Yeah. So, so uh, Jerry had a character who was a DJ who always wore a mask. Yep. Or Ty, mostly wore a mask. Yeah, Ty, Ty Whitmore. Uh, he yep. was a DJ. Yeah. Um, and not a, not a good DJ either. Like He was just a DJ. <laughs> he thought he was great. Not so much. <laughs> but... Um, Will had a character by the name of Barry Allen. He was not making the Flash. He just gave him the same name. He was not the fastest man alive. He was the hottest man alive. He did. He did fire. Yeah. So, uh, Brittany was playing a character who had frost powers. Yep. So basically, she was effectively Killer Frost. Mm-hmm. And uh, Christina, Christina had would, magnetism. She was basically Magneto. Yeah. And um, we did have a Flash character in the group that was Kenny. Yep. He was uh, Steve. They the, called him uh, the reporter. Blur. Yeah, the Blur. The blur. So now that you, now that I've told that aside, so effectively, the whole joke of the campaign was that they were going to be the grandparents of these people in Detroit. Yeah. So we set that up. Uh huh. So um, now they go to 2012. 
I'd, I'd set this up. I'd planned this the week prior for when they went to the future. I was going to let them be able to glimpse their grandchildren. Okay? So, uh, I decided to make it to where one of Sal's kids, a daughter, married one of Brittany's kids, a boy. So, guess what the boy's last name was? Lipschitz. Lipschitz, yeah. Now, Sal's daughter may have been a Marconi, but when she got married, she became a Lipschitz. Yes. Now, I, I want to preface this by saying that when James made this revelation, I was stone-faced. Like, I thought, okay, people get married. But I, I need you to understand, I had given Brittany so much shit about her character's last name that when she heard this, you would think that she won the lottery <laughs> with the exultation of joy that left her and the guffaws of laughter that rained forth from her mouth at the time. So Sal's grandchild, one of them, is Salvatore Lipschitz. Yep. Named for his grandfather. Named for his grandfather, Sal. Yeah, so they, they, they got me in the end. But, man, you'd have thought, like, she ate a cupcake that tasted like every cupcake because she was just so happy and laughed so hard at that. Now, one of Sal's other grandchildren is Ty. Yes. And you got to understand, Sal is a big, tough mafia guy. Now, in all fairness, Salvatore Lipschitz is in the family business. Yep. And he's a big, tough guy. Big brawny guy. You wouldn't want to mess with him, but his name is still Lipschitz. Yeah, and so we we retconned it so that Ty Whitmore, Whitmore is a stage name. His actual last name is Marconi. Right. He's my grandson. But a he shitty get, strip club DJ. He <laughs> gets to see a picture of his, both of his grandsons. He sees the one with Lipschitz. He doesn't like the last name, but he's like, okay, I can live with this. Yep. Then he sees Ty, and he's like, no. Fuck. No. Yeah. No. Because let, let, just just to give you a little bit of background on Ty, um, strip club DJ, not a very good one, um, and he got the he got granted the abilities of telekinesis. Okay, the what, now if you had the ability to like move objects with your mind, like you would probably attempt to go out and do some good in the world. He just spent the first day at home on the couch not having to get up to get the remote or get any food out of the refrigerator. <laughs> uh, that's the kind of guy Ty is, okay? So just put that picture in your head. Strip club DJ who's lazy, and there you go. So, Whatever you're picturing, yes, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, um, yeah, that that's my little funny story about Salvatore Lipschitz. Yeah, Sal Lipschitz, yeah. Which I'm telling you, man, I wish I could go back in time and record Brit's reaction. Because I would put that on YouTube and it would get a billion views. It was fucking priceless. Just the joy and elation alone yeah. would be worth it. Just it was to watch like, it. It was like she ate a Girl Scout cookie that was all Girl Scout cookies in one cookie. <laughs> like, just so happy. So very happy. I'm talking about slapping the table laughing happy is how happy she was. It was spectacular. It was great. Jerry, your final story. No, that was my final story. We were doing two apiece. Oh, I thought you were going to tell one more. No. That was it. That was it? Oh, okay. That was it. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was just a little insight into the uh, campaign. Now, there are other stories we could tell. Uh, But we got to be able to... 
keep doing the podcast, so we can't share those. <laughs> can't share those just yet. Yeah. But maybe we'll share them down the road, and obviously we'll be back for the next story time. We'll probably share some of the conclusion stories from this one because it's, it's been a very epic campaign, so there's a lot of story to tell here. A lot to unpack there. Yeah. <laughs> for for you guys and for my therapist, eventually. All the, all the shit we've been through. <laughs> Oh, my grandson's name is Lipschitz, but Jerry, your name is Tilly. I know. I know. It's just not better. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, before we let you go, though, here's your magical two episodes worth of Nerdness keyword. Okay, so here we go, folks. I started the campaign in the year 1920 when a particular event happened. Yep. What was the name of the event? Yep. Uh, it spelling is a, doesn't matter. Spelling doesn't matter. Obviously, but your spell check will probably pick it up anyway. Yeah, should correct it for you, and just put it in the subject line D and D story time, whatever the case may be. Uh, yeah, that or time RPG you talked about time. lip shits. That time you talked about Jerry needing therapy. We'll yeah. get it. We'll figure it out. I mean, that could have been any episode that last <laughs> one, but we'll narrow it down with the keyword. I promise you. Yeah. But there and put you go. that in a self-addressed stamped envelope and mail it to, you know, 101, once and wait, no, email. Send email it to, email. to us. On our website, nerdmanology.com. You can find it there. Yeah. But well, that's going to do it for this week. We hope you've enjoyed this episode, folks. We we certainly did. Yeah. Uh, this has been a fun campaign. It's been a labor of love, and it's coming to its end Yes, very and soon. then we're going to start another one uh, that I'll be running, which is... I'm hoping going to be pretty good. I have a pretty good plan for it. I'm hoping it works out well. And I hope it does, too, because, I, like I said, I, after this campaign, I'm taking a very long break no, from running. You, you deserve a break, buddy. You deserve a hot bath and a nap after this one, I promise you. <laughs> uh, it's, very, it's not very often you get to run a campaign that's satisfying not just to you but to your players. This is one of the few I've had where there nobody has had a complaint about the campaign. I mean, nope. there's been some grumbling and some bitching about some things, but no <clears> one's, it, like, disappointed in the campaign. If there is one complaint about the campaign, is that everybody that we interact with has very delicate bowels. <laughs> that's going to be it. Because we scare people so bad, they shit themselves. And it happens a lot. Okay, folks, you're dealing with the guy who... Yeah. You're basically dealing with Superman who will Oh, pick no, you up. don't get me wrong. If, if a guy flew down right in front of me and snatched me up off the earth, I'm shitting my pants, too. Yeah. Okay? Absolutely. Uh, but, ladies and gentlemen, this has been another fun one. We thank you for joining us once Indeed. again. So, for all of us at Nerdman Knowledge, I'm James. I'm Jerry. And, and we, we are, are First Pick for Podcast and Last Picked in Dodgeball. Dodgeball. Catch you guys next week. See you then.